this is the week where Jesus rolls in. We call it Palm Sunday. And really, the palms are not the real prize this Sunday. I know we get all amped up about the palms. I don't, I don't get it, but months out, there's always someone in the church. Are we going to do the palms? Who's ordering the palms? Where do we order the palms? I don't know where we order the palms. I've never ordered a palm for Palm Sunday in my life. I don't know. Uh, you just want it so you can throw the leaf out on the way home. I don't know why we are so obsessed over the palms, but that's not the real prize this Sunday. The real prize is that Jesus rolls into town and hundreds, over 100,000 people, most scholars believe, are anticipating that this is Messiah. And we get to anticipate, too, what he's going to do. Uh, so would you anticipate with me this morning, big A word, uh, just stand with me. We're going to pray a prayer of anticipation together. We're going to go a little bit old school. I'm sorry if you stood and sat and stood and sat too many times this morning. Uh, but would you just pray this prayer with me and, and just repeat after me? Like we did a couple weeks ago, if you want to just whisper it, that's fine. If you want to proclaim it, that's fine too. Uh, but, but this is a prayer of anticipation. So just say it after me. Jesus, we anticipate you. We empty ourselves so that we could be filled with you. We long to know you more. We long to understand the gospel deeper. We long to be in your presence. Teach us your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can have a seat. Thank you. Mark 11.1. 1. If you want to turn, if you're a turner, we love it. We love the page turner. We love the phone flipper. Uh, Mark 11.1 is where we're going to be today. Uh, and we're just going to bounce around uh, the, the gospel of Mark. We're not going to leave Mark. Uh, for, for, uh, we're also not going to leave Mark next week. We're going to stay there for Resurrection Sunday. And then we're going to go back. We're at the end of chapter 2 in Mark. So we'll go back to the end of chapter 2. But we're in Mark 11.1 this morning. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. Now, it may seem at first glance that Jesus is having a really weird day, right? He's getting a little bit weird. He's telling the disciples, Go over here, just get this colt. If someone has a problem with it, tell them the Lord sent you. Just weird commands that Jesus, it's like, did he have bad chicken? What's going on? But really, the entire day is Jesus meticulously, God meticulously touching the details to make sure we know that Jesus is king and this is his kingdom. That's what he's doing all day. King, kingdom. King, kingdom. So he's going to arrange these details. And if, as if Jesus was giving a king's speech, he's saying, this is what it looks like for me to be king. This is what it looks like for my kingdom to reign. This is the type of kingdom. This is the type of king. It's kind of like Jesus is giving his major speech, and this is kind of where we're going. Verse 2, there's some proof in the pudding, right? He shows God-sized kingdom perspective here. Really weird foresight. Kind of like some Yoda stuff, right? Just go over here. There's a cult there. I want you to get it for me. Kind of like if I rolled up into Manhattan, and I haven't been in the Bronx in a while, and I tell you, go to the Bronx. There's a black beamer there. I want you to jack it for me. Don't worry, we'll give it back, right? This is what he tells them to do. Just, just go over there, get this cult. And, and just like Jesus would, I'll give it back. I'm king of kings, lord of lords. Yeah, for sure, I own a cattle on a thousand hills. But I'm going to give the cult back, right? Just, just giving out these weird king-like details to everybody. I mean, he's been doing this for chapters. 
chapters, he's been reading the hearts and minds of people. They're sitting there. They're in a room. They're thinking something. And Jesus goes, I know what you're thinking. They're like, wow, this is creepy. But Jesus knows what we're thinking. Just like like for chapters, he's been showing that he's king. He's been healing. He's been resurrecting from the dead. On top of that, this is a king-like moment because he says, I want you to get a cult and it has to be never ridden before. Very king-like. I mean, Jesus walks throughout the entire gospel. If dude had a pedometer, he'd be killing all of us. 25,000 steps a day. All of a sudden, he wants a cult, and he wants that cult to never have been ridden before. This is God arranging the details. This is king, this is kingdom. This is king, this is kingdom. There's more, verse 4. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and the, they untied it. And some of those standing there said to him, uh, said to them, Why, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. What's going on here? And he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut off from the fields. In 2 Kings 9 they anoint this guy named Jehu. You can, you can do your own research. 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 <laughs> Is that because I said Jehu? I don't know. I've never heard of research before. But in 2 Kings 9, they're going to anoint this guy, Jehu, as king, king over Israel, and they're going to take off their cloaks, and they're going to put it at his all throughout their feet, walk not on the ground, but on their cloaks. And then all throughout the New Testament, all throughout their festivals, they're taking these palm branches. This fits in with all their festivals, especially Passover, where over 100,000 people are here to celebrate God's victory. That's what's going on here. This is not a prop for children's ministry, although I love the prop for children's ministry, but this is God saying, this is king, this is kingdom. This is king, this is kingdom. God is like a, a wedding planner. We, ju- we just had a wedding, and, and we just, there was, there's wedding, the wedding planner is so meticulous about every detail. This is how the event's going to look. God is going to fulfill prophecy. Jesus is going to fulfill prophecy. He's going to fulfill every single thing right in a row. This is God just meticulously putting together, this is king, this is kingdom. Verse 9. And those who went before, uh, went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. More, Hosanna means, oh, save. Oh, save us. It's a desperate cry. Save us, O king. Establish your kingdom. Be our king. Rescue us from persecution, please. I mean, what would you give to be here and witness this moment? Think about the persecution that these people are going through. This is triumphant. This is is proclamation. It's God saying, "I I am he. These people are not only oppressed by the Romans... But they're poor because of the Romans. They're unloved and unwelcomed because of the Romans. Some of them are being locked up unfairly because of the Romans. They don't like the taxes that the Romans are putting. The, 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 the Israelites are saying here, Wait, could, you, could you get us out from one of these fools? Please? We are oppressed. We are nothing. And we thought we were your people. So are you going to be our king? Can you save us? Can you rescue us? It's anticipation. I mean, what if Jesus rolled down Sussex? I'd be taking off the appropriate garments. Right, here you go, Jesus. I'd be taking leaves off the tree. Here you go, Jesus. I want you to save us. I, want, I mean, even this world right now, this world is broken. It's messed up. You read the news, you go into deep depression. And if Jesus was going to come back and establish his new kingdom, we would sit here with anticipation and we would say, yes, Jesus, Hosanna, save us, right? Amen? Amen. Amen. My only problem is, here, the Israelites, 
many of them are going to get what we'll call jump syndrome. And I think we as followers of Jesus get what's called jump syndrome. How many of you have went uh, skydiving before? Raise your hand. Be proud of that. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's a good amount. It's good. It's like a bucket list for some people, like a bucket list thing. For me, it's, it's literally the money. I've, I've literally said to myself, if it was like 50, I'd go. That's how cheap I am. I mean, for everybody else, it's like, yes, adventure that you have never had before. Let's do it. And you're jumping out of planes. For me, I'm like, eh, if it was like 50, I would go, right? But undoubtedly, if you are doing the skydiving thing, there comes this moment where you're on the edge and someone says, jump. And this 30 seconds, I don't know, I don't know how long it takes you to just do it. Maybe it's five, maybe it's 10. But this 30 seconds is unlike any other 30 seconds in your entire life. Right, because you have a standard 12,000 feet worth of different perspective. I mean, I watch the movies, so I know, like, when you're on the ground, they put the stuff on you, and they tell you, okay, here's the form, and here's what you do, and here's how you, you got the extra parachute. Don't forget that. You could die. I, I've watched it. There's lots of instructions, and on the ground, it's pretty good, but 12,000 feet up, when you're standing there, and the guy taps you on the shoulder, or there's a green light, I don't know what it is, and you're about to jump, here's where you really start to question your life choices, Right? Should I jump? I mean, it's only 175 bucks. Yeah, my friends will make fun of me, but let's be honest, I'm about to jump out of a plane. It's, it's, it's jump syndrome. Some people do, some people don't, but it's, it's that moment where you have 12,000 feet worth of different perspective. I mean, when you watched your friend in, in the video, your friend's going, ah, the whole way down, it looks good. It's like, yeah, my friend enjoyed it. His tongue was out. It was great, right? That's, that's fine. In the pamphlet, it looks good. Everybody's got thumbs up. Everybody's doing this thing and, and the thing. But, but for me right now, in this moment, I might have jump syndrome because there's 12,000 feet worth of difference. And here's all I'm saying about the Israelites and about us. There's a good chance that after we get the real view of the Messiah, we get the real view of, of who king is, the real view of who or what the kingdom should look like, that that we might get jump syndrome. Like the Israelites here, Jesus looks good, doesn't he? He's powerful. He's healing people. He's saying the right things. Nobody likes the religious leaders, and he disses them all the time. Uh, Nobody likes the Romans, and he's like, guys, you don't really have to pay too much attention to them. God is, like everybody likes Jesus. He's healing people. Again, he's resurrecting people from the dead. He's the only one that's going to touch the lepers and heal them. So everybody likes, like he looks really good here. It's, it's, It's a great view. The pamphlet looks fantastic. But seven to ten days from now, when Jesus is plastered upon a cross and he's bleeding from head to toe and he looks weak and tired and people are spitting on him and yelling at him, it's in that moment where we may get jump syndrome. This is the king? This is what his kingdom looks like? And that's what, you know, that's the moment we may turn away from Jesus and say, maybe I don't want to follow this Jesus guy. It's when your king doesn't gain kingship how you want him to gain kingship and establish a kingdom that you don't really want to be a part of. That's, that's when you may get this thing we call jump syndrome. I mean, this whole story, Jesus is just meticulously checking off the list of prophecies that he needs to fulfill. And again, he looks great. He, he just raised Lazarus from the dead. He, he was just anointed at Bethany. All this stuff has happened 
and for sure, you can, I mean, there, there are people singing and praising. Uh, you just, I mean, all this looks really good. And then he's on a cross. On Golgotha, just on the hill. Just nothing. I want to tell you about where the Jews are at real quick before we go into how we may feel. Many of the Jews are split here. Uh, they have prophecies. Uh, they, they know Zechariah. They, they know some of these prophecies. And they're actually arguing over in this time what, what it will look like for the king of kings to come back. What it will look like for Messiah to come back. I'm just going to give you uh, two different scriptures. This is the first one that they thought it, it might be. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man, and he came to ancient of days, and it was presented before him. All right, so, so this is what they think he might come back you know, looking like. He might come back like Elijah went up. Elijah just floated up on a chariot. I mean, that's amazing. Some thought Elijah, and it was going to be the second coming of Elijah, and they think he's going to come down how he came up. And so that's what some people think. Uh, This is the next scripture. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Some think he's going to come this way. Either way, right, they're a little bit split, and either way, what they're not split on is that Jesus is going to save them. Take me out of this. These Romans are annoying. They're mean. They're oppressive. They're putting us in bondage. I don't care how you come back. You can come on a cloud or on a donkey for all I care. Just make sure that you rescue us from these people right now. Establish the kingdom of David. We were powerful back in the day. And then David put it on Solomon and Solomon had this vast kingdom and we were winning wars and we were beloved people and we were powerful people and now we're nothing. So can you bring us back to that? And then again, 12,000 feet later, Jesus is plastered on a cross. We're going to call this suffering triumph. What happens when your Savior saves you and establishes his kingdom through suffering triumph? Do you still love him? Do you still follow him? Suffering triumph. Here's the elephant in the room. My question is not, are you okay with Jesus? My question is, are you really okay with him being king over your life? And are you really okay with being a citizen in his kingdom? Because it may look a lot different than you think. It just might. It may look a little bit depressing at times. It may look really hard at times. And look, I'm not, I'm not, the the end of this message is going to sound like it's like some sort of scared straight thing. Okay? But really, all, all I care about is making sure you know like, if, if you're honest about the entrance into the kingdom, then you're going to be honest about what your citizenship looks like. Does that make sense? I care that you are honest about what it looks like to enter the kingdom of God. Who Jesus is, what his kingdom looks like, because then you'll be honest about your citizenship. I, I guarantee if we took a poll today, and people have taken these polls a number of times, uh, are you a Hindu, are you a Christian, are you Buddhist, are you this, and then there's an, always an other, and, and billions, it's in the billions, that will click Christian. Billions will check it off. And I, I'm just guessing, but one billion probably have lied about that. Because they haven't really gauged what it looks like to be honest about the entrance into the kingdom. Therefore, they're not honest about their citizenship. They're, they're, just, they're lying to themselves. They, they, they want to think Jesus looks this way, but Jesus doesn't really look that way. His kingdom doesn't really look this way. Can you be honest about it? Like back in the day, we did this thing uh, at, at, at my other church 
uh, where we would go on missions trips, uh, but we had this honest discussion before you went on a missions trip with us. Okay, so one time we're going to Thailand. We're like, oh, this is an amazing mission, man. you got to go with us. Uh, 99.9% of these people on this hilltop do not know Jesus. They, they, they love, uh, it's, it's a religion called animism where they worship animals and, and the trees are breathing and they go to this tree. It's like Avatar and they worship at this tree. It's kind of crazy. They don't know Jesus and we're going to be the presence of Jesus and help this church out. There's only 10 believers and we're going to help bring Jesus. I mean, that's a good speech, Right? 35 people come out to the first meeting. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Because I've been on missions trips. And out of 35, there's going to be at least five. The people who are going for Christian tourism. I've always wanted to go to Thailand. Oh, that's nice. Don't you get to ride elephants over there? That's the... And they go for all the wrong reasons. They complain the entire time. And they're, ju- they're just exhausting they ruin the trip for everybody because they're complaining. And you just, as, as a leader of that trip, you're just like, oh, I gotta love them. I gotta love them. It's not okay to have these thoughts. And you're just, go, you're just going through it, right? And if you've been on a missions trip, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's always that, that oh, the plane is not like I want it to be. You're just, oh my goodness. Uh, it's not okay to slap. It's not okay, right? So that, that's, that's what I'm thinking. And I'm thinking, you know what? Let me just be honest. So we get these 35 people here, and I'm like, no, no, no. I told them, look, the flight is long and hard. It's going to ruin your bowels. It's going to ruin your body. You got to raise all your own money. I'm not going to be out here with a lemonade stand raising your money for you. You got to raise all of your own money. And then when you finally get there, you're going to be tired. You think we're going to do a day of rest? No day of rest. We're not going to the night market, we're not riding an elephant. We're not going on a zip line. We are going to work from morning till night. We are going to evangelize to people in a language that we don't know, and we're going to tell them about Jesus. You're going to be so uncomfortable as a human that you're going to want to leave. And then after we're done working, again, there's not going to be any vacation. We're going to get back on the plane. You're going to hate the plane. And then you're finally going to get home, and then you're going to be so caught. You're not going to be caught up on work, so you're going to have to get to work as soon as you get back. Next time we had the meeting, there was six people, right? But it was the right six people. Boy, did we get it done. We didn't go shopping, but we got it done, right? If you're honest about the entrance, you'll be honest about your citizenship. If you're honest about the trip, then you'll go for the right reasons, I just want you to know what Jesus really looks like. And I have some, I have some things to talk through this morning, uh, just, just four really distinctive truths about who Jesus is and what his kingdom looks like. And just, just be honest with yourself. Do I fit in these categories? Here's the first one. Jesus is a suffering triumph king, and we are his suffering triumph people. You go follow Jesus, there's going to be some suffering. He saves us by suffering for us and sacrificing his own body, his own comfort, his own love for us. And he's going to ask you to do that for your neighbor. He's going to ask you to do that for your enemy. There are going to be times where you just want to get gelato and have a nap. And Jesus is going to be like, you know what? No, what? We, we, we got to sacrifice for this person. We got to love this person. We got to serve. I'm out there in the park yesterday and we're raking the same sticks 
that we raked last year. The lady told me, oh, they're the same sticks. They didn't come by and clean them. So it's in that moment where I could be like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm just going home. There's bagels over there. Or I can just serve Jesus. That's not real suffering, okay? I don't mean to propose that I really suffered yesterday as I raked some sticks up. What, what I'm saying is sometimes it won't make sense. Sometimes it'll hurt, and sometimes you don't get the gelato. It's crazy because Jesus says uh, in, in his Gospels, he says, if you want to really follow me, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. I just, I just want somebody to tell me that we made this up, that we made Christianity up. You think about making Christianity up, that's going to be the way? Deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. That is not what I'm coming up with. It's going to be a lot easier than that. That's what Jesus says. He's a suffering, triumph king. That's how he gains victory. And sometimes that's how we gain victory for our loved ones, for the people around us. Uh, Next one. Jesus establishes a kingdom where humility and servanthood are the gasoline. There's this whole thing going on right now. Instagram Christianity. If you're on the gram, you know it. And the most famous pastors right now, they got great shoes, right? They got great outfits. Someone did this weird list this week where they took a picture of those pastors' shoes and talked about how much they were. I don't know who's got that time to do that, but someone did it, and I actually had time to look at it, so I guess I'm just as bad. Uh, but it's, it's, a whole, it's a whole thing now. Like, this is the feeling around, you can be super attractive, have super attractive stuff, you can, you can attractively follow Jesus and be a part of an attractive co- uh, congregation, and you can go and consume the material every week, and you're going to go to heaven, it's, and that's attractive too. It's attractive Christianity. And really, people like to get on platforms, attractive platforms, inside this attractive Christianity. Jesus' grand entrance today, thousands of people in anticipation, is a borrowed cult. He washes his disciples' feet, he dies on a cross, and he spends his time while he's here serving in humility. That's following Jesus. Are you good with that? Are you good with that? Are you good with this not being sexy at all? Not being attractive? You not having any sort of platform? Are you good with that? That's what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus establishes, next one, a trend here that he will not always rescue you from your current circumstance. Again, this is not scared straight. I'm just being honest about the kingdom of God, and I want you to know what your citizenship really looks like. He's not always going to rescue you. There are 100,000 plus people screaming, Hosanna, from the right heart, the good heart. Oh, save us. And Jesus is like, later. Not right now. I'm going to save you by dying for you for eternity, but I'm not going to rescue you from the Romans at all. Matter of fact, you're still going to be under the, they they, they try to revolt later on. It doesn't work. (laughs) He never promised to rescue you from your current circumstance. Now, he may, and that's why we pray. But sometimes he's like, it's so much better for you to be right here, and it's going to be okay. And, and I have better perspective than you. Next one. This one might hurt a little bit. The kingdom is not full of stuff and full of glory. This kingdom is not full of stuff and glory. Have you ever thought about this? What if 100,000 plus people were anticipating your entrance? I thought about this. I would not roll in like Jesus. Y'all hear me? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't roll in like this at all. 
I'd roll in like T-Pain. Is he still relevant? I don't know. Okay? He was relevant back in the day. That's all I know. But I roll in like T-Pain on some truck. The truck got rims. All right? Little pump or somebody is playing. I don't know. Is that a person? That's a person. I think it's a person. Thank you, Tara. It's <laughs> yeah, a person. Uh, they're playing, and I'm, and I'm jamming. I got my new Nikes on. Like, this is what I'm thinking about my entrance. All these people are anticipating me. So I'm, I'm going to bring the goods. I'm going to have advertisements. I'm going to get some money out of the whole deal. I'm bringing the goods. Jesus doesn't even get a war horse. He could have at the very least got a war horse. You know, maybe a little draping over the war, something. He could roll in like Aladdin. Some elephants. Come on, Jesus. Something. But this is not Jesus' core value. Jesus' core value is humility on a cult. That's his entrance. Thousands of years of anticipation. Thousands of people in attendance anticipating the entrance of Jesus. And he picks a cult in humility representing peace, not warfare. This is Jesus. He doesn't want his disciples to get caught up in stuff. He's going to tell his disciples stuff doesn't really matter. You can't take it with you. Leave it behind. Live simple. Don't live with a bunch of things because then you can't give away stuff and then people get the wrong idea and then those things become your idol and then you love things way too much and you love stuff way too much. Like, that's my heart bent. My heart is bending towards loving stuff all the time. I get one thing and I'm like, ooh, that felt really good. Felt really good to shop in that store and poof, poof, poof. I'm walking around. I'm like, oh, that's a nice pair of jeans. Yes, yes. I go up. I put it in. Like, maybe I should get another pair. It feels really good. Jesus is like, you don't need stuff. The kingdom's not about stuff. That's where moth and rust destroy. And then he says, like, if you want to be first, be last. There's no glory. His disciples are literally arguing about who gets the glory. Who's going to be next to Jesus in heaven? And he pulls him aside and he shakes his head. And he's like, guys, the first will be last and the last will be first. And those, the person who serves everybody will be in highest regard. This is the king. This is the kingdom. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying like, this is like some miserable journey. I'm saying you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Because Jesus, this is full of joy and mission and grace and purpose. Oh, and I get to spend eternity with him this, this is Jesus. This is what it means to follow Jesus. So yes, in the meantime, it's full of pain. Sometimes we suffer. Sometimes we serve. Sometimes we give up ourselves. Like marriage, marriage is the only type of marriage where, where God tells you to love your wife like Christ loved the church, which means give yourself up for them. It's the only marriage where, where he tells women, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that's hard for women, and that's hard for men. It's all hard for everybody. But what Jesus is trying to say is, if you want Jesus, this is who he is. Suffering triumph, loving God, give himself up for everybody else. This is what it is. This is what it means to enter into the kingdom. This is what citizenship means. And so if you're going to go, if you're going to walk into the kingdom, this is how you you need to know this. Stop playing games. Stop faking it. Stop coming up with new ways to do Christianity. This is it. Serve, love, sacrifice, 
be intimate with Jesus. He'll teach you. You'll grow. It'll hurt, but you'll grow some more. You'll suffer. He won't pull you out. You'll be like, why aren't you pulling me out? He'll leave you in it, but you'll grow. You'll become more like him. You'll have more joy in suffering. You'll you'll be able to deal with pain better. You'll grow up in him. And as you're old and gray, you're going to be a dominant spiritual beast who loves the people around them, who's not rich, but is rich in Christ, who's given away a million dollars for Jesus and is sitting there in a simple house who knows they've given their life to Jesus. And then when they die, they get up to heaven and Jesus says, well done, my loving servant. I'm so proud of you. Here's a giant house in heaven because you're so good. I loved your heart. I loved who you were. And it may have not felt good, but man, I love the person that you became as you followed me closely and you knew exactly who you were supposed to be. Just be honest. Like, if we could just be honest, worship scene going up here, if we could just be honest about our entrance and what it really means to be a follower of Jesus, maybe we'll really follow Jesus. Gosh, you look around and you're like, is there anybody actually following Jesus? Or are we just, are we just fun Instagram people with a tack on of I'm Christian? It's like exhausting. I think we have a real chance here. To be an authentic people who are like, you know what? I'm not really following Jesus, (laughs) but I want to. And Jesus will then in that moment accept you right into his kingdom, I promise you. He'll bless your heart for being honest about what it means to follow him. Would you bow your head with me? I don't know what you're feeling this morning. I'm feeling like the only thing I can be in front of Jesus is honest. That's all that matters. Because his love is unconditional. And if I could just be honest before him, sometimes I get caught up in, in just hot garbage. Where I'm not really following him, I'm just following some sort of method to appease my desires. And then I call it Christianity. Pray with me. God, I just want to follow you and I, and I, and I want to know what that looks like. I don't, want to, I don't want to fake it. I don't want to go in my own direction and then, you know, make it up that I'm following you. I want to actually follow you. Sometimes that's into the pain. Sometimes that's into deep inner joy. Sometimes that's into a little bit of poverty. Sometimes that's like leaving the country. Sometimes that's getting way outside my comfort zone. Sometimes that's like, actually a lot of times I don't want to do it. But if we could just be honest people together as a family and mean what we say, maybe we'll follow you. We'll follow you on a cult in humility as you establish peace before you go to the cross. Jesus never raised things. Amen. You guys, this week um, is about this week is about humility. And Friday night or Thursday night, it's humility. Like, let's just go serve our neighbors at Fun Club. I don't know what you're doing, but man, just just come out. Just let's serve our neighbors. Let's make ourselves nothing and make them everything. On Friday night, let's come. A prayer walk is not really enticing to a ton of people. And when I've done a prayer walk before, uh, you know, 10% of the church comes out. 
I, I hear you. But let's just go pray for our neighbors, with our neighbors. Let's give up a Friday night. Who cares? It's just a Friday night. You get a billion of them. Maybe not a billion, that's a lot. Um, and then Sunday, like if you want, if you want to really follow Jesus and you've never really said, I want to follow you, Jesus, and you feel like it's time, say it. Come tell one of us. Come pray with one of us. Maybe you want to get baptized. Get, we're going to do some baptisms on Sunday. Get baptized. If like you're like, I'm, I've never really followed Jesus and now I want to. Let's follow Jesus together. Let's stand up. Let's worship together.